I'm going to do it next year. Yeah, I'll get around to it next time. I'm just too tired from work. This is the place to get motivated, inspired, focused, and learn some new game. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Dean, and we're here on Work It Like a Job podcast, where we hopefully uh, hope to motivate and inspire those and to remind ourselves that, you know, the first contract or deal we have to do is the deal we do with ourselves and the commitment we make to ourselves. Joining me today is actually a longtime friend of mine, who I, somebody I know personally, uh, known him throughout the years. And really, I am just inspired and, and just like uh, proud, I guess I should say, of his come up and just of his journey so far in life. And I really uh, want to be able to share that with people because I know we get a lot of people that are into, uh, as I like to say, unorthodox or different type of uh, passions uh, and, you know, being able to make those a reality to support ourselves and our family. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to welcome Mr. Nick Styles. Nick, how you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. And, and Nick, uh, I, hopefully I got your business name correct. I'm looking at the website, you know, Nick Styles Signature Events. Uh, yes. Now, I'm going to just keep it all the way 1 million when I say, Nick, for me, I know Nick was he's the DJ. He, you know, a lot of us, we have the cats. Oh, that's my man. He do, he, he rap or my man, he, he does this. Nick was the DJ. You know, like, oh, Nick, yeah, you, you need somebody as a DJ? Yeah, my man, Nick, man, he gets down, man. Like he knows all the music, you know what I'm saying? Hip hop, R&B, what have you. But you have taken this thing to a whole other platform, man, in terms of just elevating it uh, and to really show what is possible uh, by taking, I would assume, you know, your passion to be on the wheels of steel. <laughs> Let's tell you how old school I am. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and taking this to where you are, like, working with some of the biggest brands in the world, man. You know, from your, um, you know, I'm going to let you talk your talk, but I know you work for, like, Google. You've done stuff for Google, Microsoft, um, you know, Costco, uh KFC, I'm looking at your things, uh, Silicon <laughs> Graphics. I mean, the, the, the list is impressive, man. And I, like I said, from my limited understanding, I, I, you know, I know Rick, I mean, excuse me, I know Nick, he was doing the parties, you know what I'm saying? He's at the club, turning, yeah. you know, getting it turned up and, and all that kind of stuff. But man, talk to me about like, what do you, tell the people from your perspective, what is it that you do, man? What is Nick Styles' signature events? Well, Nick Styles Signature Events is something I created um, based off of, first of all, the Nick Styles name comes from uh, a mix show that I was doing on a radio show in 07. Mm. And so um, I was a somebody else before that, like my DJ name had changed over the, the that course of time. And so, no, wait, style. wait, hold on, wait, 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 now, we, you got to give us, when we need the name, man, we got to, we all had those names back in the day, <laughs> it's like, okay, let me, let me switch it up so I can get my paper, you know, I always love to, to bring up, uh, what's my guy, Two, two Chains, yeah. like, his original name was a titty boy, <laughs> like, ah, yeah, you might want to change that up, partner, I mean, for me, I've had GMD and other things, but yeah, we need your name, Nick, what was it? It was uh, it was DJ Nasty Boy. DJ Nasty Boy. All yeah. right. <laughs> and so I actually I rocked that year I rocked that name for like 
I'm almost 25 years. Wow. Okay. I ain't so, mad at that. I said, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, you know, if I had to switch it up, it would just be like DJ Nick. But, uh, <laughs> but Nick Styles again was born in like 07 because the radio station that I was doing mix show on didn't like the DJ Nasty Boy. Like, man, you gotta, you gotta change it. <laughs> right. So okay. I just came up with another name. So, you know, I was kind of using that and it stuck, you know? And so when I made the crossover from the clubs to the mobile DJing, like weddings and corporate events and things like that, then I just used that Nick Styles name. It was kind of like mm -hmm. a natural progression. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have a name here that I've been using for a little while. Let's let's use that, you know, and then the signature events uh, part comes in where like um, I give the wow factors to these events, okay. you know, it's, it's a signature like I do special things uh, and different every time for, you know, different events and people. Got it. Now, let, let's let's go. I'm going to take it back, man, and really want to talk about how you, you know, sort of transition and step your game up. But. Uh, even further back, like talk to me in terms of um, how did you get into DJing? Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I pretty much like knew what I wanted to do or, or wanted to be a DJ from like sixth grade, and it and I saw this guy come in with his equipment and to like my I think it was like sixth seventh yeah sixth grade dance and. Um, you know, I saw him doing the turntables and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I, I already had a passion for music from my mom, you know, before, but like, I finally saw like somebody had an outlet to actually perform and play that music. And I was like, holy crap, I can do that. Like, or I want to do that, you know? And so that kind of where it stemmed from. And so I was a super music, like passionate dude about music and, um, uh, more so a lot of singles and stuff like that. So I just kind of kept on collecting and, you know, listening and listening, and listening until I had an outlet to finally, uh, you know, DJ. But uh, it stems back from when I was the sixth grade and I did horrible in school because I knew I already knew what I wanted <laughs> to do. So I was flying with these, you know, just kind of passing the classes just to get the hell out. And, um, you know, and that's it. So. Now, uh, talk to us about your background. Where where did you go to school at or where you grew up at, for that matter? So, well, I'm originally from Boston, and I was uprooted um, when I was, like, seven. And my mom had a friend that moved over to Maui, uh, Hawaii, and she kind of followed her there and took me and my brother with us. And so, basically... I was I grew up in Maui, Hawaii, and went to Maui High School, wow. and uh, you know yeah it was pretty it was, it was pretty interesting and pretty rough pretty intense, um, you know got to earn your respect. Uh, yeah, talk to us yeah, again, man. We breaking all barriers. Like, why would it be rough for you to be in Hawaii? <laughs> because I'm the white kid. <laughs> okay. Wow. I mean, I'll just put it point blank. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how it was, or you know, is. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't the only white kid there, but we definitely had to fight for our respect and way up, you know? Um, I mean, I was fighting every day, man. Like it was man. crazy. Yeah. Even, even the white kids was fighting me because they wanted to look good for the locals. 
<laughs> okay. Well, you know what I'm saying? So I was getting shade both ways. But, um, but you know, I mean, you know, I, I had no choice. You know, my mom said we were there to stay. Mm. And uh, I just did the best I could and just kind of like just followed the followed the dream, man. And just all the others, all the other noise, just block it out, block it out. And, you know, yeah. so. No, I, I, I like to hear that. You know, it's interesting to hear because, you know, I mean, my kids obviously live there, too. And mm. so to hear, you know, uh, I can see how your perspective. I mean, you were basically the minority. Yes. Out there, absolutely. right? Yeah, for sure. Um, OK, so a Hawaii background, Maui, yeah. you know, for a lot of Americans that don't go over there you know we just see hawaii we think of hawaii you know i know for me my earlier uh recollections was the brady bunch you know when they went to hawaii <laughs> that episode yeah. i was like, I like oh, yeah. yeah i remember that <laughs> so, or you know magnum pi or something like that you know what i'm saying yeah. but what was it really like over there growing up i mean you said you had to you know fight to earn your respect and things yeah. but well, what else was was it like growing up over there so okay so um you talking about music wise or are you talking about just How, however just, you want to flow with it yeah. all right so basically um my there was a lot of cats over there that i did meet um who were into the music just like me and they were kind of around the same age you know and so i did kind of get to uh, hook up with them on separate occasions, you know what I'm saying? Like, because they had their little cliques that they was hanging with, but I couldn't hang with their clique because a lot of their people didn't like me or whatever. So I would just like on one-on-one -on -one with them, you know, when I could at the lockers or whatever, and we would vibe out. Mm. And, um, you know, so that's kind of like where I got to uh, kind of talk about my passion to somebody finally, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I can't, my, my, my sisters, I tried my sisters and, and my brother, but they was all, you know, like, man, you in your own world, bro. You like, you know what I mean? Like, you're on your own planet over here. So, you know, and then so I finally found some people. And then, but um, but I grew up, like, in, again, like, I'm from Boston. So uh, I spent, like, seven years there. And for my music influences, my brother used to listen to, like, Kiss and, you know, just, like, like Queen and stuff like that. Well, you know, like just a lot of more of a rock stuff, not too hard. Like he didn't, I don't think they listened to a lot of Aussie and stuff like that, or, you know, some, no, no deeper than like say on the surface commercial rock stuff. Um, but I have that. And then I have the R and B background for my mom. Like we, man, I grew up on like floaters and LTD and like, uh, mini Ripperton and, um, like, Phoebe Snow and like a lot of cats don't know about Phoebe Snow, but um, you know, just a lot of these uh, groups I grew up with. So when I went to Hawaii, it was a little bit different because they, um, you know, of course there was Hawaiian music, <laughs> and then um, you know I, I had to kind of like learn that almost, you know, what I mean, because a lot of people did listen to island music and Hawaiian music, and um, and then there's the reggae aspect of it. Holy mm. crap. Like Maui or Hawaii in general is like reggae central. Like it, it's like the second Jamaica. I, I mean, seriously, it, it's like you can't go anywhere without hearing reggae music playing. Bob Marley, especially, you know, all the roots stuff, you know, it's a lot, a lot of that stuff. And so I learned that, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
I I learned that so much that I hated reggae for a really long time. <laughs> it was so bad. And so, um, but again, I grew up with that. And then all of a sudden, around yeah, the, the time that I guess Rapper's Delight came out, I, I learned about hip-hop music. Mm. And I immediately gravitated to it. It was like, I, I didn't understand what, what it was at the time, but I loved it, and I loved the sound. I loved everything about it. I'm like, I man, I just was like, so that was when like the popping and breaking just like started to come out. Okay. And then, you know, seeing that related to the hip hop and seeing that on the, you know, on the streets in my schools, you know, everybody, you know, gathering around, getting a little, you know, radio, trying to play stuff, you know, <laughs> at recess and trying to do some, you know, popping and w- stuff. Was you out there trying to get yours in? Oh, I, hell yeah. I was <laughs> But I, I couldn't do it though. Like I was like, you know, you know kind of popping and locking, trying my stuff. But I can't. I couldn't get down like the other guys. You know. I mean, I tried it, but That's you know, and I was wearing like the flannel shirts, man. Like yeah. the whole nine. Like it was crazy. Yes. I mean, and, and eighty. You imagine that flannel shirts, long sleeve flannel shirts in the in the eighty five degree weather. Nine, you know. Dedication. So, Dedication. It's the look, man. You know. Got to. But a culture, but, baby. Right. Exactly. And so. Like, after that, like, w- during school times, like, I would try to, like, bring music to school. I got busted so many times. Like, it was ridiculous. Uh, like, anytime my family had little parties, um, I would get the tape decks, two tape decks, and I would cue up one tape and play another. <laughs> and then I would, you know, and then when the song ended, boom, and then I would get. So I was actually, like, DJing my, my, my own parties, and uh, but just with tapes, I could never blend them or anything like that but um so that came after that uh again you know came the records and um i started collecting records because my mom uh was doing it and um she kind of passed them on to me because she saw that i was the one the musical guy and um started buying 45s and stuff Mm, okay and so wait wait check this out though this I, I'm leading up to some, I know, no, <laughs> but uh, for the, so the 45s that I bought, um, you know, I think it was just like around 80 or something like that, maybe. And, um, it was like, I think I remember specifically it was like Rick James, super freak. <laughs> and so on the B side of that, you had, um, super freak, like part two or something. Right. Cause the 45s only can hold so much. Right. So you play that, and I was like, okay, that's the end of the song. You put it over. I'm like, oh, okay, it's like an instrumental, whatever. But then I heard like a long version of it, Super Free, like a seven-minute version. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like there's actually more to this song, you know? And so from then on, I found out that there was this thing called the 12-inch single. Ah. And I never looked back. That's that's right there. So 12 inch singles were it for me. Like I was constantly hunting for any long extended version, remix, whatever, Um, you know. And so that I would buy uh, or when I can't when I could uh, ask for Christmas presents or whatever, have them buy records. And that's how pretty much I got my record collection. And so I got to talk about that growing up in Hawaii with those select people that came up with me in the same game. And so we were all into our own thing. And so 
growing up in Hawaii with that aspect really made me feel at ease or more comfortable with my living situation at the time mm -hmm. because growing up in Hawaii was not easy. And so it's just that really, again, took me to the next level. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that's where I was going with that. <laughs> but, All right. but man, yeah, so kind of like give me a little background of like how my love and passion became came about. Right. It's, it's listening to stuff that I'd never heard before and then kind of owning that, like, you know, taking that for myself and really running with that. And, you know, okay. when, when was the first time you, uh, do you remember like the first, I guess, I don't know if it was at a party or whatever it is that you actually were like the DJ for. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, um, I think it was that I got a community center up, 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 our, up, up where I lived. And um, me and my friend, um, we drug our the home speakers <laughs> up to the community center, and uh, basically blew them out. But um, we he had like a turntable, and like I had a regular turntable, and we had I had some records, and so I was like, "Yo, we can play your party, you know? We we'll do it for free, you know? <laughs> and so we just want to, you know, we just want to DJ or whatever." And at that time, I couldn't DJ for nothing, you know. I was like, "Whatever." So we went up there, and that, that's when I remember just kind of like the my first like uh, like first performance ever, and um, that was like in '86, I want to say. Okay, now let me ask you this question, and this, will, this will, you know, maybe play later. But I'm curious, what was your so you were there? Your your mother uh, yeah. was there. What was like her? Um, job background like was she working a, a type of a job or something yeah so my mom at the time that we moved i believe she was like a waitress okay and so she started you know that and you know um actually let's see because we were there from like 77 or 78 something like that and uh but she was waitressing for a few years and then met my um you know stepdad and uh and became married after that. Um, but her job slowly changed over the years. But yeah, she, man, she put us, me and my brother, you know, she put us up and, you know, made sure we was going to school, but she was definitely a working mom and, you know, uh, definitely appreciated that. Not at the time, probably, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, trying to just do our own thing. But, mm -hmm. but we lived in like the not so, I don't know if you could call it a, no, you, you can't really call it a ghetto because I don't like, like Maui doesn't have really ghetto stuff. But like I felt that the apartment complex that we were in was not the highest income. Let's put it that way. You okay. know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. but yeah. So, but you know, I mean, that's what my mom could afford. You know, apartment living, and and that's what she did. So you know, it was it? There was a pool. There was the ocean. Whatever. You know, <laughs> you good. <laughs> so we we actually me and my brother met this one guy. Uh, in our complex and we used to actually like he used to take us out and teach us like how to fish and stuff oh wow and he just wanted to hang out yeah like he was he was a good that's what i'm saying like not everybody was mean to to us or me or whatever but um you know there was a few people that definitely took us in and didn't care about you know where we came from or who we were and um and the color of the skin or nothing like that so it was cool you know what i'm saying so some some people really took us in yeah. and i remember that dude to this day like that dude is really cool. That's so. Up. Is he still still alive or still around? Yeah, yeah he's still around for okay. sure. Right. Yeah, he was my brother's age. Like my brother's like four years older than me, so he, he's a little little older. But 
um, not too much, you know. Cool, so. cool. So what uh, what brings you stateside? You know, what year was that when you first came back over here? Oh, to the mainland? That's what they call it, the right? Main, okay, the mainland, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my, oh my gosh, I, did, I hadn't left Maui until maybe 89 because I had some family. Um, my grandmother was throwing her 60th, and so I went over to Boston just to go check that out, and I hadn't seen these people since we moved, so, you know, it was cool seeing cousins again and things like that. So... After that trip, I kind of got the bug to travel, and I was like, man, what else is out there, you know? Um, but I didn't actually leave until about a few years later. So this, these few people came to a club that I was DJing at, and they were from Seattle. And so... I was like, where's <laughs> Seattle? Where's that? <laughs> you know, and because at the time, I mean, you, you, you know, living on a, on a rock like Maui, you know, it's, it's just you're you're blind. You're not open to where everything is geographically, even though you're taught in school. But I was like, man, Seattle, like, where's that at? You know, so come to find out I'm like, oh, OK, you know, it's just over the, you know, over the ocean. It's like, oh, OK, cool. So the girl, one of the girls you know, I kind of hooked up with her for that week or whatever, and, and uh, that she was there, and she invited me over to Seattle, and so we kind of kept in touch, and um, ended up flying up here in '91 for the first time. Okay, I spent about two months here. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty long vacation, <laughs> but uh, actually, no, actually, it wasn't a vacation because I actually planned to like be up here with that girl but it didn't work out like after like i don't know like three weeks <laughs> so i met some really cool people there though like here that would like took me in until i had enough like you know time and money to fly back to mount but the two months that i was here though oh my gosh dude like i really discovered seattle it was crazy um there was so many places i did I took the bus everywhere. I didn't have a car, so I took the bus routes everywhere. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Went downtown, like checked it out. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I do remember from that trip was I saw iced tea and body count at the Rock Candy. Wow, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was the that was the event of my life. It was awesome. Interesting. I didn't. I don't remember them playing. I missed that somehow. Oh, man. So, yeah, like, uh, that's a whole other story. But, like, I could tell you, I mean, I just remember like it was yesterday. But uh, but I actually, oh, man, there's so much to, to tell you. But iced tea is is one reason, like, that, like, he's the reason why I didn't give a crap about anything or anybody um, after I graduated high school and I was just going to do my thing. When he came out with the original Gangsta album, um, okay. mm -hmm. yeah, like I played that every single day, I think for years, man. And That's it funny was funny you say that. That's very funny because I'm a big, Ice, I was a big Ice-T fan yeah. for Ryan Pays and particularly okay. Power album. 
Okay. And I, and and I, for whatever reason, I wasn't into. What was the last one he had before that? Uh, like, freedom of speech was that the freedom author? of speech? Freedom yeah, of speech. Watch, watch what you say. And for some reason, after that, I kind of was kind of moved away from him. But I know that he had uh, the song from the movie was on that OG album, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, New Jack Hustler. New Jack Hustler, which was was right. dope. But I but I'm just saying all that to say, yes, I can see what you say about Ice T. How he, you know, his whole just attitude and the way he presented his shit was right. very much like, man, I'm doing this is what I do. You ain't gotta like it, but you know, rhyme syndicate, we doing it. <laughs> we don't give shit, right? Yeah. Exactly. And and so you know what's funny is, um, I just stumbled on it too because I I I mean I you know I knew Ice T from like you know. Back when the other, you know, stuff like six in the morning and all that stuff, right. you know, I followed his career up in there, but I never really like, like really latched on, you know what I'm saying? Mm, okay. Until the OG album. And I don't know what it was, man, but it was just something about that album that just screamed like, just do your own thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, just get it, you know? Okay. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the video version to the album. There's a whole video album that he did for that. I didn't get that one, but I bought the other. T- there was he did one for Ryan Page, which I used to we used to watch all the time, and then he did yeah. one for uh, the Power and all that. So I used to do. I I was like I was all in Ice T. I used to buy all his little oh nice home videos and stuff. The VHS yeah. tapes. <laughs> right, right. Well, he did a whole album video for okay. that for the original gang. So every single song on that album. He did a video for it. so nice. the whole video is basically the album, and uh, you know with some few extras and stuff like that. But I seen that and I was like, oh my gosh, dude! Like this dude is the most inspiring person right now. So that kind of like what sparked me to just like take a chance and go check out this girl in Seattle. Okay, so I did it, you know, and then I got to see him live with Body Count. <laughs> right, that was crazy, dude. Oh my gosh, I can like imagine, I yeah. I didn't expect the body count part. I mean, I knew I knew a body count, and you know, I was a, a fan just because I was an Ice T fan. Um, but nothing can prepare you for what is at a live concert when he's doing that. It's crazy, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so yeah, after that, I went back to Hawaii, and I actually, you know, met somebody else, and then we got married. What? Um, yeah. Within two years, wow. um, I decided that, you know, we should check out Seattle. Like, let's move up. Well, know? let me let's stop you for a second. Uh, when you say you got married, is this who you're married to right now? No. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. I didn't know this part. No, yeah, yeah. This is like, man, this is stuff that I've never, pretty wow. much never okay. anybody, really. Mm. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah, like the girl in Seattle didn't work out. So I kind of was like calling somebody else that I, you know, was was on my team, you know. Damn, boy, <laughs> play <it>. nasty boy. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, we just was like, hey, you know, you want to be with me? Yeah, I want to beat you. Yeah, I, I want to be with you. Okay, okay. so let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then so like went back to Maui and then it, like almost instantly, like like a few months later, boom, we married. Mm. And so... Now, is she you know, from Maui, too, or is she from here? Nah, yeah, she's from Maui. Okay. And so I, I stayed with her until around 95-ish, 
around there. Now, now during this period, what are you doing for your, or is there a job or something? What are you doing to make money? Yeah. So, okay. So, um, Oh man, that's a whole other story too. Damn. Okay. For my career, there was a mobile company. Remember I was telling you about the sixth grade, right? Mm -hmm. So the company that came to that school, um, I kind of stalked them throughout the years. Right. So when it, when it, I was like 16, I think, and I found out who the owner of the company was, <laughs> I stalked him and I found out like where he was at and went to go check him out. And so when I approached him and I said, Hey man, I want to be a DJ, you know, for your company. I saw you, you know, your DJs at the school dance and I love it. And I want to be a part of that. And he was like, man, you, you can't DJ for me. You know, you got to be like at least 18. You know, so I was like, he's like, call me when you turn 18. So it was a rough, man, because I had to wait, like, you know, all that time and seeing these DJs. And I would, I was always like, whenever the DJ came for the high school dances, I was always there helping them set up. Like, you know, still mm -hmm. so I wasn't part of their crew, but I wanted them to know me. You know what I mean? Saying I, I wanted them to be like, oh, yeah, I know that cat. That cat always kind of hangs around and it's like annoying as hell and, you know, wants to always set up the speakers and be a DJ. Oh, yeah, that guy. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. but I just wanted to be like, not like, but known. You know what I mean? Like, so I just kind of wanted to be like, hey, you need, you need help. Let me know what's up. Blah, blah, blah. And if you can teach me a couple of things, hey, cool. So I used to hawk them, man, all the time, just watching them on the turntable. I wouldn't even dance. I'd be like, man. What record he's gonna play next? You know, like, and then I, then I would get so bold that like I have suggestions and stuff, like, <laughs> you know, like they're just an annoying guy. Like I remember, I was just like, oh my gosh, like the the people that I was, I was the person that I despise. Like if somebody came up to me now, you well, know. What I mean? Yeah, but the interesting thing, you know, listening to this, you know, because there ain't no school. Well, as far as I know, there ain't no school for DJs or, you know. No you got to get in where you fit in and, and what yeah. you're talking about right now to me is, you know, basically like, how can I be down? You know, you right. uh, on, on the job training, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to intern or you got to bogart your way in, or you got to be the intern. Yeah. This is the way, this is your training, your school, you know, you're watching DJs in action. You are helping out, right? Uh, you're making your presence known, you're studying the records that they plan and the reaction from the crowd. So this is how you are really, this is schooling. You know what I'm saying? This is how you learning. You're watching others that are actually doing it. You know yep. what I'm saying? So no, nah, it's, it's dope. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like, that's how I learned to like plug in speakers, you know, like mm -hmm. and plug, you know, plug in a mixer to a turntable and things like that. Like I never, ever knew it, you know, uh, and and then like if you look at a mixer, I never knew what the buttons did on the mixer, so I was like, "What the hell is that?" You know, it was all new to me. So yes, mm -hmm. it was a learning, and so I would just kind of stick by that. So when I turned eighteen, just so happened I was at the hotel that these uh, the owner was at, the guy who was saying, "Oh, come back when you turn 18. He was having dinner with this other dude, and I walked straight up to him during dinner in the middle of everybody and i was like hey what's up i'm nick man you remember me i just turned 18 what's up you know <laughs> and he was like are you serious right now? he's like dude i'm in the middle of dinner you know give me a call here's my card 
you know, and um, so, yeah, dude, I gave him a call. We met up, and um, the friend that he was having dinner with was actually taking over that business, and mm. so he decided to give me a shot. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the owner, original owner, the one who talked to me, told me, you know, to come back when I was 18. That guy actually, like, told the other guy, man, don't, don't even hire this dude. Really? Yeah. Nothing but hate, right? So, and I don't know why, you know. But, uh, but that other guy took a chance on me and, um, you know, started, uh, I mean, I, dude, it was like, I was doing stuff for like 25 bucks a show, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was pretty bad, but like they had a nightclub in the hotel and then they had a mobile side, which does all the weddings and school dances and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically and I was hungry, you know, I was like, I want to try and play all this new stuff. Like I got all the records, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to go, you know? And so the guy who took me in, he basically wanted to put me on the club side. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted me to do the corporate and wedding stuff, which at the time I was like, oh, hell no. You need to put me on these clubs and you need to put me on a school dances because, you know, I just graduated. So I'm still connected to school. Right. And so I and those are still like my age group people that and I want to show them like and and then still people who knew me that were still in the grades. Right. Right. Below me. So I wanted to like uh, in their face and like show them like, yeah, I'm the I'm the DJ now. Like I'm the one, you know, and so. <laughs> And, and and so, but the other guy who took me in, he was like, nah, nah, nah. We're going to teach you this aspect of it. Mm. And I was like, he's like, yeah, you're going to do this holiday party. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? You know, and he was like, yeah, so you're going to have to play like 50s and 60s music, maybe some disco. And I was like, I don't know that shit. <laughs> you know, like, the hell is this? You know, I know some of the 70s stuff, but, you know, in the 80s or whatever, but, but I didn't know any of the 50s and 60s. And, and you know, to boot, I was not interested in that mm. shit at all. Mm-hmm. So, but the guy had all the records that I, that, you know, he, that I wanted to play. So he would stay behind and he would pass me records that he thought would work. Okay. And so that kind of taught me that aspect of it to how to play for an older crowd mm-hmm. you know so, so well, let me let me say so essentially the, what do you remember this guy's name the, the owner yeah his name is his name was glenn all right so mr glenn essentially sort of had he had his idea of how he wanted to position you or get you into something other than probably what you knew, your back, you know, you wanted to play what I imagine hip hop stuff and what was popular at that particular time. Right. Sort of him challenging you to step out of your comfort zone, I guess, yeah. right? But I think it's, it, I think it was more of the fact that he needed me to do these other sure. gigs, you know what I'm saying, as opposed to the nightclub stuff because he had other people to do that. Mm-hmm. So he wanted me on those, you know, gigs rather than the stuff I wanted. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think in the end, his, his positioning 
uh, I mean, it was, well, it was a wealth of knowledge, let's put it that way. Right. It's, it's, it, and it was the right thing to do because, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, certainly molded me to what I am today. And so, let me throw in this too, real quick. So, because <clears throat> I you know a lot of people are listening and there's things that they want to get into. And this is one of those situations where, it's, where you, you uh, be ready for what you say you want to get into something, right? So, you say you want to be a DJ, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, now, whatever your religious beliefs or spirituality, whatever, you know, so in my case, I would say, you know, if God's going to bless you with that, then you're going to be a DJ now. That don't mean you're just going to be the hip hop DJ or, you know what I'm saying, you're going to be a DJ. And mm-hmm. so you got to be prepared for them blessings. Like they may not come the way you want it to be all the time. You right. Know, you know what I'm saying? Like you said you wanted to be this. And, I, you know, so you got to make sure that you have your vision is bigger than you might just really be small thinking your vision. You might be, oh, I want to be a DJ, but I just want to be in the trap or, you know, I want to be up in the club all the time. Well, that's mm-hmm. just a small time DJ. There's a whole world of places that need DJs. Man. And so you if you want to be this, then you got to be ready to be an actual DJ in the same way, like. There'd be cats where I would, and you can maybe speak to this where, you know, probably back when you started, they didn't have all the, uh, was it the Sorrentos and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. You had to, you know, get your hand on them we, we, wheels and on the turntables and, and have some right. goddamn records. But it's the same way now. So if you want to just be a DJ and yeah, okay, I got this little device and uh, this, but do you know how to move the crowd? Like, exactly. like, you know what I'm saying? Like what you, yeah. so you got to, what happens if, okay, it's going to be a crowd of 60 year olds. Oh, well, I just wanted to be a DJ, you know, be, you know, get turned up with the, <laughs> right. yeah, well, you know, you said you want, I'm giving you opportunity to be a DJ now. You said you, re- so I'm, my whole point is to say like, and this is, you know, I think it was great part of the story here is how you really show like sometimes, you know, your, your, your dream could be bigger than what you even imagined it to be. And if you really like working like a job and really, you know, part of that is to rise to the occasion to be like, okay, I didn't think about being a DJ on that aspect. Let me go. But, but you want, you know, you didn't back down from it. You know what I'm saying? You, you figured out what you had to do. You got some help and you press forward. And I can imagine that event looking at what you do now, like, I know now you do all types of right. different uh, audiences and, and different clientele that matter. But if you were only just stuck with being in that high school party DJ, you know, you might not be doing the stuff you're doing now. So I just wanted to throw that in there uh, real quick. Uh, now to go back to that, that particular time there, I wanted to ask you, was there ever a, a party or something where, Cause I always feel like, particularly for entertainers and stuff like that, I always say you ain't really like cut your teeth until you got booed off the stage, or until you had that time where it just didn't work and you had to learn and really, really buckle down on your craft. Was there ever a a time where you was up there spinning and that ain't that partner? Like, uh, what are you playing? Or did you ever any experience anything like that? Well. Not not really like booed or anything like that. Um, I mean, I you know, there's some song selection issues 
that I probably had and, you know, they would come up to me immediately and be like, yo, you need to switch the song or something like that. But I don't think I've been booed. Um, One time, though, uh, I was at a, uh, well, and again, this is at a school dance, but I was visiting another DJ and the DJ let me on. I was like, yo, man, let me on, man. I I, I got some records, man. Can I I mix like a couple, just a couple? (laughs) And he was like, hey, you know what? Go ahead, man. So he he handed me the earphones. I got my record, queued it up, and switched it over. And I'm in my head. I'm dancing, man. I'm getting it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this song is, oh, man, this is the banging right here. And then then I'm like, how come every, how come nobody's dancing? <laughs> I can't figure it out, right? And I got the headphones on, and I'm going it, man. I'm getting it real hard. I'm like, yeah, y'all don't know about this. This is a promo, man. I got the remix. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm seriously, like, all in my – and then people and the, the DJ behind me and all his crew, they were like, what the fuck is going on? And they were just, like, laughing it up, man. And then I took off the headphones, and nothing is playing. <laughs> oh, nothing man. is playing. So the mixer switch, he had the he had the main gains. Like, that's how he mixed. Like, he didn't use the fader on the mixer. Okay. He used the, the main gain faders. So, like, there's the crossfader, and then there's the main gain fader. So he had the crossfader in the middle, and then he would use the gain faders to mix up up and down. So I did not know this. So, so all the gain faders were down, and when I crossed over the crossfader, it was, it was a wrap. It was like there was no music. Oh, man. Yeah, so that, that was the most embarrassing moment, I think, of my whole career. And I that, that should never happen again. I'll tell you. Right, right. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like not to be booed off or anything like that. But but here's the thing: every single time that somebody came up to me and said, "Oh, this ain't working," and I, you know, I could definitely tell it ain't working. I would figure out a way to quickly go through my records and drop the next joint mm. or something that I think would work better than what I was doing now. Instead of getting mad at people and saying like, "Oh man, you don't know this is right. this is what I do this is what," and being ignorant about it, I would actually try to be like, "Okay, you know, I'm I'm trying to play for the people here. Let me get something that might work." Okay. You know, and so I always try to put a positive spin on it instead of being hanging my head down like, "Oh man, beating myself up because I played a wrong song or whatever," because that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. You know. Learn from playing the you know the mistakes. So you learn from playing all the crap songs, and you fine tune your game, and that's pretty much what I did. But the but the guy Glenn who helped me out, you know, he was always like behind me, you know, kind of searching for songs until I could do it myself, until I was able to go on the the event and set up all the gear and actually DJ it myself. Okay. So that. You know what I mean? So, so he taught me a lot. And on the flip side of that is a whole other thing called emceeing. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, did I not want to talk to anybody. Like I was like, I would, man, I couldn't even be on the mic in public. Like it was <laughs> like, it's not happening. I would go underneath, like behind my turntable, squat down. Okay. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, everybody, it's time for dinner, you know. I like, and, and and everybody's looking around like, where the fuck is that coming from? And so I, you know, and I'd just be deathly scared of anybody looking at me, 
you know, because hmm. I was afraid of what they thought or whatever. And so, yeah, so that, like, that he always constantly told me what to say and put me on the mic and, like, until the point where I was like, oh, I got this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what else I learned on top of the music, the DJing, the setups, everything that, that comes with this job. Okay. Now I'm I'm probably jumping ahead here. But I'm very curious. So the time when I met you, oh man, because uh, you said you were married previous. Were you still married then, or would that already had dissolved itself? Or yeah, so like in, I met you in '97, I believe. Oh okay, wow. And so um, that yeah was dissolved already. So but I was up here again. See, I kept on coming back. And fourth to Seattle from like 91. You know what I mean? So it's like kept on jumping back and jumping back. So I was here with the um, the wife I had at the time uh, for a babe, maybe a little less than a year. Then mm -hmm. I decided, oh, then I, I'm sorry. Then at that time, I got the opportunity to own that company that, that with the guy who trained. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was like, I'm selling this if you want it. And that was always my dream to own this business. Like, mm. and, and he gave me the opportunity. So I immediately was like, I got to go do this. Boom. Flew back to Maui and then I ran it. And so, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. There's so much more to the story. It's ridiculous. So, uh, well, well, let me ask you then. So you took over that company. Now, was there other people that were working for this uh, mobile DJ company as well? Other DJs and stuff? Yes. And they all knew me. Okay. And that was great. You know what I'm saying? So when I came back, there was actually a couple of people I had to fire because I didn't feel that they were, you know, doing it right and they weren't showing up on time for gigs and things like that. And so, I mean, and I got thrown into the boss position all of a sudden. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was crazy. You know what I mean? So I, cause I didn't know what to do. I wasn't a manager. I've never been a boss ever. Do you remember how old you were at this time? Yeah, I was 23. 23. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you, now you've taken over this company. Uh, bring us through quickly. Like, so what happens? Cause when I, let's, again, when I met you, we ended up working together. Right? right. So I'm curious the transitions from you having yeah. this company over there in Hawaii and right. then coming over here and you start working a job and stuff. Yeah. See, so that's the thing. I've reset to zero so many times, dude. Mm. It's been it's it's been a ridiculous journey, but I've come up every single time because of my perseverance, because of my like I'm gonna do this, and I don't care how I do it. I'm how I get it. It's gonna happen, no matter what. So that's a good. That's a great question. So my time that I had owning the business, um, it was great. I had a great thing, but hold on real quick. Yeah. Um, my wife just walked in on me. But uh, anyway, so at the time that I ran that business um, from 93 to about 97, yeah, when I moved, um, what caused me to move was my ex-wife. And so it got really bad to the point where, you know, authorities were called and things like that. You know, I, I don't want to go into it, but it was a really bad situation and I felt like I had to get out of it. 
And so I had another girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, after we got divorced. Um, and that's what it was. So it was like a divorce. And then it was like a whole bunch of stuff happened after that. And so my girlfriend at the time was wanting to go to college. So I suggested Seattle and that's where we went. So in 97, when you met me, I had dissolved the business, mm. left everything, took all the equipment and everything out of the hotel that had the nightclub, the mobile systems, everything. I mean, I had like a multi-op, what they call a multi-op, a multi-operation, which means I had like three mobiles to the point where I was going out doing, not me personally, but all my people that I had under me and then me going out to doing like three shows a night. That's how that's how I was getting it in Maui. Now, now was- Nick, just real quick for, for the audience. I know you're in the culture, you know, we get to talk and be that's how I do. But, you know, we stood the clapping and tapping, but you, you're you making the, the mic make a lot of noise. Because oh, <laughs> that's what we do. Oh, my have God. my tip right now. Like, oh. <laughs> like, okay. I'm so sorry, dude. It's all good. But I'm just over here tapping the table. Right, I can't hear it. Okay, okay, sorry. Uh, so anyway, yeah, like, so it was a situation where I, I just left it cold turkey, just like, just dropped it, and I was out. So go to, you know, fast forward to Seattle 97, when I met you, I mean, I, man, I had to reset from zero. I didn't know anybody here. I had no outlet to DJ here, and I was frustrated. It was crazy. I worked for like a rent a car company, and I worked for a couple other places, and then I got the pro tape job, and that's when I met you. Wow. Okay. Now we had a, a mutual friend. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I because I, I can't remember. No. Did did I meet Paul through you? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, because see, I met Paul when I was doing like, okay, so I did meet a couple of cats over here within, you know, a few months of being here. Mm-hmm. And I that's actually, Kun Love was one of the first people I met. Okay, shout out to Kun Love. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that dude, he put me on, like, he was cool. Um, so I used to, there's this other guy named Super Dave. Um, I remember him. Yeah, so he, he used to do street team. He used to pass out like, go to clubs and pack, pass out like cassette singles and mm-hmm. you know CD singles to, and promoting artists, right? So I hung out with him because you know he was like, yeah, man, you know I can I can get you DJing and and this and that. And so I was like, okay, cool, promises, promises. So you know we went to clubs, we did that. So that's kind of like how I got my in. And then we went to this club called HD Hotspurs, mm. and so. I passed out cassettes over there, and I met this other guy named Robbie G, who was the DJ at the time at HD's. And so basically, um, you know, I told him, "Hey, you know, if you need any help, or you need, you know, you you need somebody to sub for you one day or whatever, you want a day off, let me know. You know, I got I got you know got skills, and and uh, I'm looking for a DJ position. You know, and so yeah, you know, he, most DJs." do you know they just brush off and be like yeah yeah, cool you know whatever so i just kind of kept on going in and whatever and um so that's kind of like how i started knowing people you know Mm -hmm. but i still had to you know make money to pay rent right you know what i'm saying so so that was a big thing and um you know so i was working regular jobs 
you know. And Paul came into the HD Hotspurs one night when we were street teaming, passing out stuff, and that's how I met him. Okay. And then through then, that, he was looking for a roommate situation. Mm. And so he wanted to move out of his place, and I needed to move out of mine, and I wanted to move to you know closer to the city because that's where my girlfriend was going to college. Okay. So me and Paul and then this other guy, he had uh, – his name is Thaddeus. We all roomed together. So it was like we got a three-bedroom, and we all paid rent together. So it was it was cool, man. So it was real good. So okay. Paul, yeah, like I was friends with Paul for a really long time. And then when I got the pro tape job, you know, I used to bring him down or we used to eat lunch together. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, and that's how, you know, uh, I introed you and uh, I introed him to Toby too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, Okay, so that, God, I, I, my memory is so crazy. So, and I want to bring up this pro tape you mentioned, and, and I worked there, you know, I worked there for 15 years, uh, which is crazy into itself. But I gotta, for whatever reason, man, well, whatever reason, because you're hella cool, we just seem to click very quickly. Like, uh, I always enjoyed when you worked there. Like, I would be dying at work. When I mean dying, I would just be laughing. <laughs> just with me rolling, man. It was such a change there at ProTape when you started working there. You know, it was it was somebody that got all of the the humor and just I don't know, it was just a very similar yeah. type of stuff, man. And I used to just be in tears, like I said. And I get it. It's funny now, you know. And I'm I wanted to ask you this on the show. Uh, something that really happened and it was funny at the time but I'm curious how you really felt about this so you know the guy who owned that business I'm gonna say his name or I'm putting nobody in class yeah, but yeah we don't the, do that yeah <laughs> we don't want to say his name anyway you know what I mean <laughs> he's, a, he's a hater of all haters bro like <laughs> but there was I don't even remember what we were talking about we were just laughing talking yeah. and he uh, the owner. You always, bring this up. you always say this. You always bring this. Up. <laughs> the owner, man, he was he was basically was hating, and I guess he was probably hating because we got along so well or something. I, I, that's all I can surmise um, because I have obviously I had known him for a long time. I worked there, mm -hmm. but uh, whatever we were talking about, he's he busted out and he was you know you were laughing loud and that was having a good time, and he just said Nick. You're not black, and so, <laughs> which for me just makes me want to roll even louder. Oh, I heard you all the way from the back of the whole room. You're like, oh, like, oh my god, you were screaming. You, 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 you hit the floor on that one. <laughs> I was like, what is going on now? And and, and what I don't know when this was. Nineteen ninety yeah. something, late nineties, maybe. No, yeah, it was. I mean, it was uh, like what ninety eight. Ninety eight. Now, if that had happened in two thousand eighteen, how the way things are now, I mean, that thing it could have went a whole different way. But again, yeah, I was laughing on that. But he was actually really hating. But I'm curious, like, how did that? Because I'm asking you how you feel now, hearing of your experiences in Hawaii going to school. To yeah. me, this sound like that same. This is it's another form. You know, it's different in terms of who it's coming from, but it's another form of that 
type of thing. And really, to me, it was like, here's this one cat, uh, the owner, you know, a wh white guy. And here he see um, another, I guess, white guy and then right. this black dude. And man, I, they got the camaraderie. And, you know, it sounds like... It's, I guess in his opinion, you know, this is like a different culture. This, that's like a black thing or something, but he, he ain't really black. How come he gets to, <laughs> you know, be a part of that and all that kind of stuff? But I'm curious, like, how did you feel at the time when he said that, man? Okay, wait, wait. So let, let me, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you that. Sure. But let me back up real quick. Yeah. So here, I don't know if you realize this, but I was only at ProTape for like three months. Yeah, I remember it was, it was pretty yeah. short. Yeah. Because he, he was trying out Ricky and me at the uh, same time. Okay. Okay. So he was like, oh, well, you guys both, you know, you guys are on probation for three months, right? Interesting. So, okay. okay. But we, me and me and you, man, oh, my gosh. It was like magic, bro. It was like, it was the best time that I ever had. Like, it was like the best job I ever worked in my in my oh, entire wow. life because nice. of you. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, man, I look forward to showing up to work, uh, uh, you know, every day. And, and that's why I really wanted to stay there. But um, that guy... <laughs> Oh, I almost did it. I almost did it. So, so he, and what sparked all of this was he, like, downloaded some Snoop Dogg live episode, right? Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was telling everybody about it. You was there. And so he was like, oh, man, Nick, you know, and, and, and that's, you're right. He was seeing our camaraderie. Like, he was seeing that. And he didn't, like, he, he wanted to be down. Yeah. So he was, like, one day he came into the work and he was like, Oh, I just downloaded the Snoop Dogg Live, man. I want to check them out, you know, because I'm a Snoop Dogg fan and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Woo -woo -woo. And I was like, okay, you know. And I, I don't know. I, I think we, me and you were clowning on him. That's, that, that was the problem because we, we were just like, really, Stan? All of a sudden, you like Snoop Dogg? Like, what, well, what's the name of his first album? Like, Hilarious. oh, what's the song? You know what I mean? Like, oh, what what was he on with Dre or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, and so he he... I don't know. I think we were just clowning him, and all, he, and all of a sudden he's like, and we was laughing. And he's like, Nick, man, you ain't black, Nick. And I was like, <laughs> and I heard you, and I was like, yeah, I know I ain't black, dude. But what? I mean, what's the point? You know what I mean? So how I was feeling at that time is I already knew cats like this dude. Okay, right. You know, I've I've been seeing this dude. I I you know what I mean? So it's like it wasn't nothing new to me. That dude was like. I mean, he was a hundred times whiter than me as far as skin <laughs> color goes. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're just, you're, if you're not down, you're not down. That's it. I mean, you can't do anything about it. If you're not, you know what I mean? Don't force it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, me and Mike, we got a thing. We, we, have, we have history because we know our shit. Like, he's a Prince fan. I'm a Prince fan. Like, we get down like that. Right, he's right. a hip-hop fan. I'm a hip-hop fan. You know what I mean? We, we both know our shit. We both have shit to talk about. We both, you know what I mean? So we, oh, here I go tapping the table again. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. But, you know what I mean? Like we have things to talk about. We, you know, this, we love music. We love things like this. And so that's where our relationship is. But this other dude, he was just, man, he was throwing rocks from the side like crazy. <laughs> and so that's where that came from. How I felt about it was nothing. Like I was like, mm. I mean, you know, and I took it. It was, it was all a joke. You know, it was like whatever. But for him to say that, yeah, it was definitely uncalled for. And it was definitely really stupid for of him to say that. But I got really thick skin, dude. And and, and this is from my experience in Hawaii. Okay, right. Because I was called Howdy, white boy, every day. 
Damn. You know what I'm saying? And I was put down, you know, spit on. I mean, damn, you know, like seriously. It, mm. it wasn't it was nothing nice, you know? So that thick skin came from that. So when somebody told me that, when he said that, I was like, really? You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, you keep you keep you keep in your world and me and Mike will be over here. <laughs> right. You know, we'll be chilling. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was quite the quite the experience. I, I I totally forgot all of the Snoop Dogg stuff. And that when you say that yeah, I can so- I can imagine him doing that. Yeah. Right, because after he said what he said, I mean that's the only thing you gonna remember. <laughs> oh man okay you know but yeah that was uh you know that was a big one but man we we had fun there i loved it yeah man we did man um okay i gotta get focused because that that had me dying there for a minute that brought me back (laughs) (laughs) um so well this so it so now that we understand you had to start reset as you said a couple times and i really want to talk about two um because I know shortly after that, you know, we've seen each other off and on over the years, not as much as we should have, which I can admit to. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that, um, you know, at one point you ended up getting married again, right? You got married. Yep. Um, and I know you now, you have, you have a beautiful family, a, a daughter, a little girl and everything. But talk to me, because this is the part where I think a lot of people, you know, they have their thing that they want to do. But, you know, as we continue our journey in life, we'll, our situations change and maybe we get married and we have kids. And sometimes people feel like, well, now that I have a family or now that I'm getting these things, I can't, I got to make a choice between do I, you know, go, go get me a, a standard nine to five or do I sort of pursue, you know, my dream and, and what I really want to do. And so, like, talk to me, like, when you... Uh, decide well, when you meet your, your your wife and then you guys are getting ready to, you know, start a family and things of that nature. Had you already tr- transitioned from working those jobs, getting back to being a DJ, doing that full time or trying to do that? Yeah. So as I said before, I've reset so many times. So I spent from 97 to 2000 here and then I moved back to Maui again. Mm, okay. And then I was there from 2000 to 2002. And then finally made the absolute final move to Seattle in 02. But I spent two years of that up in Bellingham because I was uh, my wife at the my, my girlfriend at the time, which which is my wife now. Uh, she was going to Western College, mm-hmm. and I basically followed her up here. But we spent two years apart so that I can you know save some money from Maui to get up here. Mm. And so I spent two years in Bellingham, which was not the business. You know, it was it was horrible. But I, you know, I needed. So I was working at like GameStop. You know, anything I could to make whatever. Uh, I think I remember. Did you work at the GameStop here in Renton? I was working for EB Games. That's yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. So, uh, so in '04, when my wife graduated from from Western, I got the opportunity to go back to the clubs. And the opportunity being HDs, mm-hmm. HD offer, and so I took that, I went, and I and uh, my wife was on vacation at the time after her graduation, and at, when she came back, I said, "Hey, we moving, we moving where? We moving to Kent." <laughs> <laughs> so, 
And I was like, boom. So we moved, got my job at the club. I was running it five days a week for all the way up until 08. In 08, I went to Florida for a year because I thought it was the place to go, but it wasn't. <laughs> and I came back within a year, again, resetting, resetting every single time. And so finally, when I moved back in 09, I was like, I'm sick of this moving. I'm sick of the resetting. I need to plant my feet firm and I need to do what I set out to do. Mm. And that is get back into DJing. Now, when I came back, I still had the clubs, but I noticed a decline in the club game. All these new DJs were coming in, and you know that's just what happens. It's the natural progression, right? Mm -hmm. All these new DJs coming in, they want to work for free. They're hungry, just like I was back then. They want to do they, they want to do anything to get on. I mean, include sabotaging. You know, it's crazy what what cats will do nowadays. And and I have a family, so I can't compete with what they were trying to work for, either free or like a you know, give me some food in a bar tab or give me 50 bucks and, 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 you know, and some drinks. I can't compete with that. So I told myself, look, I, I see this game crumbling. There's got to be another way. So I was like, what about mobile DJing? And I'm like, man, I did that for, you know, 15 years in Maui before I even became to Seattle for the clubs. So I'm like, Man, let, let's see what that game's like, like again. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring with all the other DJs and see, you know, if things about bit. So I got a few parties here and there, and but it was still for like the low-level money. Like, you know, low-level money meaning like three to $500 a show. And I got to set up all this equipment and, and DJ the parties and stuff like that. And this is the kind of money that I was getting in the 90s, you know, and I had to do like multiple parties in order to like make some real money. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and I, I was like, man, you know, are they still, are cats still charging like this low for stuff? And so I had lunch with a, a person that was putting me on at the time for very low money. And um, he told me of a person that was making $5,000 per wedding. Mm. And I'm like, Get the fuck out of here. You know, ain't nobody making no $5,000 a, a, a show. There's no way, right? And again, with disbelief because I've never seen it done before as a DJ this whole time, I've never seen somebody get that much money. I mean, I, I've done five shows, five, six shows and got that money, mm -hmm. you know, what I mean? but never on one show. So I was curious about this person. So I looked him up, kind of stalked him a little bit. I let my friends know in uh, Maui, hey man, this and and actually my friend at the time in Maui was doing the same thing. He was cleaning himself of the clubs, going right back into the mobile business. So I wanted to share that with him. I said, this guy is supposedly getting five G's a show. Let's go check him out because he was uh, he was actually speaking down in Vegas at one of the DJ shows. So I told my friend from Maui, hey, let's go check him out in Vegas. And, you know, and of course, spend some time together. Let's just chill. So we flew down, saw this guy, met him, found out that he's from here, Seattle. 
And he was like, yeah, pass me his card. He said, give me a call when you get back, you know, uh, from Vegas and we can sit down and have lunch. So that's exactly what I did. Next week, called him up, had lunch. The dude is the friendliest dude like ever. It was great. (laughs) This guy was really, really cool. So he said, I sat down and I just started picking his brain, man. Mm. Like, what? How do you do it? Like, what? I mean, seriously, are you seriously getting this? You know, this and that. And so I had to like pick his brain a little bit. He wouldn't tell me the exact process because he, at the time, he was trying to explain to me that everybody's different. Everybody gets it differently. You mm. can still get that money, but you have to get it your own way. And I didn't understand at that time right away. But as he, as me and him went to lunch every so often, I understood where he was coming from. Mm. So, and this was around 2011. Okay. And so, yeah. So right at that time, I was like, okay. So basically one of his suggestions was to take my hat out of the ring in the pool of DJs that were all low level and take my hat and put it all the way up to another level hmm. and hold that right there. So basically he was saying, stop charging $500 a show to 700 or whatever and charge, you know, maybe 2000, you know, start at there or whatever, but don't charge whatever these people are, are charging. All the rest of the people are, you need to take yourself to the next level. So I took his advice and it was very hard for me at the time because I'm still, it was still transitioning from the club, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, over. And so if I did what he suggested, I'm not going to get calls. That's what I was worried about. I'm like, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to call me. Ain't nobody going to pay, you know, two Gs. But then I, I kept on remembering, well, this guy gets five Gs a show. Mm-hmm. But he's also established. So I was like, okay, well, I have to establish myself. So – Around this time, my, you know, my wife's working and, you know, she's doing it. And it, it was very hard, you know, because we had, we had only one income for a little while, you know, and having a family and having the rent keep going up. And it was just, it was really frustrating because the shows that I did, I kept on accepting some of the low level ones because mm-hmm. I need money, man. Right. You know, I gotta pay rent, you know, this is, or, you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, these bills aren't going away. And so the guy did tell, you know, the guy did say, look, it's a fine line between, you know, holding out and then you gotta eat, you know, so right. he's, you know, accept some of them, but try to hold out as much as possible for the bigger, you know, the bigger fish. And so basically, one of them came. Maybe one more, like six months later, came. You know, I mean, it was very tough, and so I didn't have any online presence. So I created a website. I actually, I mean, I can't believe I got NickStyles.com. That was like the big thing. I was like, damn, I got my name on there. So it was cool. So because it's very hard to get your own name now for a .com. So I ended up doing that, and I just kind of put up a janky page at the time. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, we we good. You know, I don't I don't mess with all that website stuff because I, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and so basically, um, 2012, 2013 roll by. Um, you know, I'm getting a little bit more shows at the prices that I want, but not like my level of service has to match that. 
and I felt for me, I wasn't matching that. Mm. Like I was charging this much, but my level of service wasn't up there. I was still using old equipment. I was still using like, you know, stuff from the nineties, man. I was like, man, I wasn't looking good. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude, what am I going to do? I can't even afford any of this new equipment and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, luckily I did have a American Express card (laughs) that I, well, no, that I had from like when, when I got married. And so we just decided to keep it. And if you know, but actually it was my wife's, I I couldn't qualify because my credit was bad back then. (laughs) And so basically we held on to that credit card for a really long time and just kind of, you know, didn't do too much because I learned my lesson on credit a long time ago. But anyway, I got up the guts to like buy some new speakers, mm. which you know really a lot of money. But I was like, okay, but I'm hungry, and I need to work this off so I can pay off these speakers, right? So when I did that, and I started promoting the brand that I was promoting the speakers and and how elegant it looked and how you know dude, my level of service changed. Ah, <clears throat> okay. And that that is where my price point came in. And so that it was like I said, it was a daily struggle for me because I was home every day on the computer trying to network, trying to mm. get myself out there. My peers didn't know me. Like I never I don't I didn't know anybody in the industry. You know, I didn't know where to go for networking events or anything like that. I didn't know how to do anything. And so I slowly I was invited to like some of these wedding, you know, networking events and things like that and I would go but I, I wouldn't know anybody. And so there was maybe one person that I recognized, but they weren't talking to me because it's all clickish and everybody just has their own thing going on. And so I would just kind of, you know, roll around, get some free food and pick up some pamphlets and try to introduce myself to whoever I could. Wow. And so, yeah, so it, I mean, it was rough, dude. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I still did a little school dances here and there, but the school dance, the schools don't pay much. You know, um, but not until now, you know, but, uh, you know, all that time I was just struggling and struggling and struggling, trying to just keep my head above water. But you know what? Like, I mean, in the end and where I'm at now, uh, from then, like I look back 10 years and I'm thinking to myself, damn, you know, I, I, I really like positioned myself and, I made it through all that mud to to get to this point now, and I never gave up. Well, I had countless arguments with my wife. Okay, yeah. I can imagine like that was a stressful period. Yeah, when you know the money is what it is, and and, and, and you know, uh, you know, who's gonna watch your daughter? Who's gonna work? Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the breakthrough? I mean, and, and to say, you know, at the end of the day, right now, you told me, you know, you guys recently bought a house right you have your own place now um and you're doing your thing but what was sort of the breakthrough after all those years of really kind of pushing through was there's a few jobs that came through that sort of changed it up yeah so basically um on the corporate side i i had gotten uh costco um like one of the little warehouses, like in Tequila, Costco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, somebody hit me up for a DJ on there, and it was just the the one place, you know. And so for Tequila, I just like 
booked their Christmas party out and I started doing work, but this girl who worked there put me on and she said, yeah, you know, I really love your style, DJing, whatever. And, um, you know, we want you to do our Christmas party. So from there, um, I did the Christmas party and I guess they really liked me because they kept on booking me. But that girl who booked me moved to the corporate office and then she was putting me on from there. So she's like, hey, Nick, I work for the corporate office now. You want to do our corporate party? Mm. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like there's 800 people in the corporate, you know, thing. Whereas there's like, you know, in each warehouse, there's only so many. But the corporate one has a lot of people. So it's a bigger event and I can actually like charge more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So actually, it's so funny because I threw out a number and she was like, no, we need to go bigger. <laughs> wow. I was, like, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And at that time, I was like, uh, I don't know what to do. So I just kind of threw out a number. I threw out like, I don't know, like 3,500 or something like that. And she's like, okay, that, that sounds more on point. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> I was she like, said, uh, go big. Yeah. So, you know, and, and she was like the middleman between, I guess, the person who was actually planning the party and then me. So, you know, it was a buffer. And she was telling me like, hey, man, you know, you, you might want to rethink this, try to resubmit a new price, and then I'll, I'll go to her with it. Because all these other guys are, you know, you bet your ass they're going to charge like crazy money. Mm-hmm. All these people, the decorations and, you know, all the photographers or whatever they're hiring, you know, they're going to charge up, you know, upwards of whatever they charge. DJing should be that. And all this time too, like, from about, you know, 2009 all the way up until now, I've been steady going to uh, DJ events, networking events, you know, finding out more. And um, I actually came across this company called Bamboo Beats in about 2014, 2015, and we befriended each other, and I was doing some work for them. So they put me on as well, but it was kind of like, wait a minute, um, I'm Nick Styles here, but I'm doing work for another company and I'm trying to do my own thing and like have my own company. So I worked for them for like a year and then I backed out because I wanted to go full Nick Styles. Like I I didn't want to be like representing another company and then trying to build my company at the same time. That doesn't make sense. It's just a conflict of interest for myself. Mm -hmm. So I spent that one year doing that and then I finally figured it out and I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll be friends with you guys, and they're really cool people. I love these guys, but I need to do Nick Styles. You know, got to do and, me. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's the thing. So it's like from after that point, I think it was like 2014, 2015. That's when I created my website that you see now. Okay. And so when I did that, was I col- like every all the information that I collected throughout those years. Mm-hmm. I put into that website and thank you very much for, for noticing because like the about me page that you had commented on, I mean that it took a really long time to do and it, I poured my heart into it dude. And so thank you for noticing. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I I love it because it it personalizes you. Uh, Of course, you know, you're doing the events and things, but I think it's important to see a person's family and, you know, for me as a man and a father, 
to be able to see, you know, uh, you and your daughter. You know, you got the whole piece where you guys went to Disneyland there. And it's just little things like that where you're like, you know what? This is like a good dude. You know, he's about family. He's obviously about his business. Uh, and so he just, again, for me, I like that to be able to understand who I'm really working with. And, and you can kind of get an idea of, you know, where you stand as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like you always want to be around good people that have good vibes and morals and things of that nature. So, yeah, to me, it's, it's great. And like I said, you're doing your DJ thing. And, you know, some people may think, oh, DJ, so he's just up in the clubs or, you know, yeah. living whatever kind of lifestyle. But it's good to show, like, no, it's like regular people, like real people who, who got families mm-hmm. doing their thing. We can do these different types of stuff and, and make it great. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for you, but I imagine, you know, you're doing this for your daughter, man, for your family. Uh, exactly. And, you know, leaving a legacy for them to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, man. But and and that's the thing too. Like a lot of uh, there's a few people that thought it was like, oh, good gimmick, you know? That's great, man. I should I should do that too. Like, bro, <laughs> this is not a gimmick, man. Right. This is life, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't be any realer than what I'm doing on that, you know, on that about me page. I mean, that that didn't just come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that's not something I was thinking about to scheme the public on getting money. <laughs> right, right. I mean, this is you know what I mean? I'm just putting it all out there. So. That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't understand people's thought processes when they tell me, like, "Oh, it is, a, it is a great gimmick." I'm like, "Bro, this is, this is not a gimmick, man." You know what I mean? So right. that's the thing. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm coming from a humbled state. You know, I'm coming from life experiences here. So when I, when I, what I put on the page is exactly that. I really care about when I go out to events now, and I, I really care about, you know, how they end up and what the outcome is. And things like that. And I, I care about when I do the weddings, you know, I, I care about the couple and, and what their journey was. And I want to be able to show that and and translate that when I'm at the wedding. Got you know? it. Well, man, we're going to wrap it up. But there's a few questions I want to make sure I ask. And, and these are questions that I've tried to ask everybody that comes on uh, Work It Like a Job. So the first one I'm going to ask you, and I'm putting you on a spot with these, is um, if you had the opportunity to go back to 16 year old Nick Styles, <laughs> and you had two minutes to tell yourself whatever you could tell what would you tell yourself at 16 what would you tell the 16 year old Nick I would say <laughs> don't believe the hype and filter all the bullshit out mm. You know, don't listen to nobody. Do you and do it till you you can't stop no more. Do it till you can't do it no more. Don't ever stop. Okay. Don't ever second guess yourself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You're meant to do exactly what you're doing. All right. You wouldn't tell them, and don't get with such and such old girl. She ain't going. Oh hell no! <laughs> just... No, but you know what? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, dude. Right. All of those relationships bring me to the person right. I am today. So I needed to go through all that bullshit. Mm, okay. To have what I have today, to have the attitude I have today, to have everything line up the way it has. 
Okay. I to can have dig friends that. like you, to have everything. Because had I taken another path, I might have not even met you. True. I think about that stuff all the time. It's some deep shit. All right. Um, let's see. So the other question was, and I, I love your answers. Um, what were, what are three movies? And I'm going to ask you about music too, because I, that were playboard, but what are three movies to you that are uh, either or influential or just impactful to you in some way? Oh my gosh. <laughs> movies? movies. I mean, and I know you love movies. When we went to them, we recently went to the movies when saw the, the queen yeah. movie. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was. That was that was crazy because it brought back a lot of memories. Um, okay, okay, now I'm gonna hit you with this. <laughs> Crush Groove. Ah. Um. Beach Street. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry, but these are all like. You know, hey, you don't have to be sorry. Yeah, <laughs> these are movies that I almost know they're word for word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so. I mean, they're all awesome movies. Um, three movies, damn, <laughs> inspired me. Oh my gosh, or just uh, impact. I mean, you know, or alien. that you you might just like it. I don't know. What'd you say? I said aliens. Aliens, the second one, the sequel. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Feel that. Feel that. All right, um, and then and then lastly, for you know, uh, music. What was, I don't know. However you want to do it, whether it's a group or album or song, but just give me three that mean something to you. Prince, mm. KRS One, Janet Jackson. Oh, Janet, Miss Jackson, if you nasty. Mm -hmm. All right. And I, I've got to do this because, uh, of course, a lot of people know me from the Prince podcast. You actually had a Prince encounter in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Sh share that with us real quick and we will get up out of here. Okay. So my Prince encounter uh, was in 2000. And we, I was playing at this golf club or whatever turned into a club. And so they said, oh, we got somebody special maybe coming through tonight. So we got to set up a little area for this dude, right? And I'm like, who the hell you guys got? I don't know. You'll see. You'll see, right? <laughs> so they set up a couch, real nice. They decked it out. I'm like, damn, who the fuck you got coming, right? So I'm sitting on the side of that couch, and I'm, you know, DJing and stuff like that. All of a sudden, this, you know, this vehicle rolls up to the back, and there's a sliding glass door, and in comes <laughs> the prince and, and his little bodyguard. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm tripping. Like, like this. Is this really happening right now? And dude's like next, right next to me. So he sits down on the couch. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. And I, I'm just the, the fool fan. So I'm like, you know me. I got to bust out the records. I got records. I got prints. I'm going to play this right now. <laughs> and everybody's like, don't be that guy. I'm like, no, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> so my all-time favorite print song of all time is DMSR. Mm. Mm -hmm. I hit that joint. Bam! Hit that DMSR. Everybody was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, damn, look at look, We got a special guest tonight. <laughs> I didn't want to cause a frenzy and shit, but, and then Prince was like, oh shit, like that. Like I saw his eyes just like, mm, okay. And then, so, and I was DJing. I didn't want to come over, go over to him right, you know, right away. <laughs> So when I was DJing, he was whispering to somebody else or his bodyguard or somebody, 
And then they came over and he's like, Prince said, if you could uh, mix something else over that track. And it was DMSR that I was playing. Mm. So I was like, okay. So I grabbed, I remember this. I grabbed Cypress Hill, like uh, Insane in the Brain. <laughs> but I put that beat over it. Like that. Yeah. Over, the, over the DMSR. And he was rolling. You should, I mean, he hit the floor like you did with this. <laughs> And, and he was like, oh, man. And I don't know what it was. Like, maybe he was like, oh, Warner Brothers is going to fucking hate that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if it was just, like, him, like, fucking with me right. or, like, making me do something just to – so I, I – you know, because he's Prince or he just wanted to, like – you know what I mean? Like, in a weird way, like, because copyright issues or whatever that if you put Insane in the Brain over DMSR – and Warner Brothers found out about it. They like, you know, they they put a cease and desist letter out. You know what I mean? And so I don't know if he was thinking that. You know what I mean? Like he was like, ah ha ha! I got him to put somebody, you know, somebody else's music over over this Warner Brothers, you know, uh, uh, track. So after that, I played a couple more joints and I played some something long. I went over there and I was like, hey man, thank you so much for the great music. And I shook his hand and he was like, you're welcome. That was it. <laughs> Classic. Dude, that was so fun, man. Wow. Yeah, That's dude. That's amazing, man. So uh, where can people find you online, Nick? Uh, NickStyles.com. And uh, it's just with an S. So, uh, you know, just like how it sounds, NickStyles, N-I-C-K-S-T-Y-L-E-S.com. Uh, at, at DJ Nick Styles is all the social media, pretty much. Um. And then the friend page for Facebook is Nick Styles One. All right, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank Nick for coming on and sharing his story and journey. And he's still got a long way to go, um, but we love it. Hopefully, you guys can be inspired by some of the things uh, that he went through and talked about. Listen, we've got our Work It Like a Job t shirts, sweatshirts, and whatnot. So please support the show and, and wear those with pride and i've already got some pictures of people who have uh, gotten their shirts and are putting them on i love it and we'll have the link to that in the show notes hey my name is michael dean working like a job we'll see you next time peace thank you for listening to the work it like a job podcast check us out at workitlikeajob.com or podcastjuice.net be sure to click on the gear tab and get your official work it like a job t-shirt